Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, September 10th, 2023. We've got another great show for you this week. We've got the Legal Eagles standing by. Then we'll be taking a look back at one of our recent shows on BRN AM on artificial intelligence and heart elements. So let's sit back and enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. Well, we're going to kick off the program as we do with a look at what's happening on Capitol Hill. It's quite a bit these days. Joining us online, you know them as the Legal Eagles, but they're also known as David Levine and Kevin Walsh. Both are principals with Groom Law Group. That's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Eagles, so great to talk to you this morning. It's good to be here, Jeff. Thank you, as always, for having us. And uh, we hope everyone is starting off their post-Labor Day or fall, as I guess we'd call it, well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a kind of a refreshing, been a refreshing week, although you try to compress five days of work into, uh, into four, which is always a struggle for all of us. Kevin, I want to come to you first, because the Securities and Exchange Commission, the US SEC, has created rules around cybersecurity for public companies. I wanted to get yours and David's thoughts about that, and then more broadly about cybersecurity and data protection. Yeah, Jeff, and it's a cybersecurity is a really important topic, uh, and it's increasingly important as more records are digitized and records have to be shared between, you know, public companies, uh, pension plans, and their service providers. And you know, we could talk about the whole alphabet soup of who's issued regulations or who's issued guidance that relates to cybersecurity requirements. But kind of the one that's most recent or top of the mind to me um, relates to rules that came into effect on September fifth, twenty twenty three. Uh, now, those rules essentially require reporting and disclosure uh, when there's been a material cybersecurity breach. And, you know, not just reporting and disclosure at some point in the future, but they've added a new item to Form 8K, which is, you know, one of the SEC reporting forms. And essentially what's going to happen is that if you're a public company and you have a material cyber breach, within four days of determining that the incident's material, um, you're going to have to file the updated disclosure. Uh, hmm. The disclosure is going to have to include, you know, the nature scope and timing of the breach. Um, and it's also going to have to describe the likely impact on the company, including its financial operation, its financials. So, you know, this isn't directly in the ERISA space, not directly in the plan space, but, you know, plenty of companies sponsor plans. And so plenty of large companies that have plans will be impacted by these new cybersecurity reporting rules. Um, and, you know, we could see these types of rules trickle down into other areas, like we could see labor have disclosure rules at some point, or other regulators could step in. David, do you want to talk a little bit more about the SEC's rules, or do you want to pivot to you know the landscape more broadly for cybersecurity? Well, I'd love to pick up on both, if that's okay, because the SEC rules, I think you really nail it, Kevin. What, one thing that also comes to mind, I remember the, when I actually first looked at these, at these rules, one is there's the discussion. You've got the timing requirements, but then we have also different state laws that can come into play, and then you couple it back with something that's been really high profile in the retirement space recently, the uh, move it data breach mm. and the cert- and there have been lawsuits against 
service providers about that have been filed about the data breach. As a, as a defense side lawyer, I would assert that you know they did a lot of diligence and everybody gets breached, unfortunately, in some form or another. It's not saying cynically, it's just there's no perfection here. So I think the integration of these rules is a really big item because you then take this back to the DOL. Uh, so you've had move it into DOL where the DOL obviously has its cybersecurity. Uh, and I know Kevin, and I always like to say this in quotes, best practices, mm-hmm. but they're the, they're tips and the DOL in their investigations, Kevin and I do tons of these investigations and on the standard opening letter, you get six, eight, 12 questions now about cybersecurity and different items. The greatest challenge I think we face is what if there is one reporting standard for at a state level to the extent it's not preempted or in the first place, there's the SEC disclosure requirements. And then there are, there are DOL kind of concepts where there's a history of sort of how do you balance these things that I'll go to in the area of company stock for there. There was the 2014, I believe it was, decision about company stock, the Dudenhofer case. And in that case, there's a reference to the, the tension between securities disclosure rules and ERISA's requirements. And I think we could be heading for something like that here. What's the takeaway? Short Shorthand version. I think it's building a process, being clear and transparent, recognizing which rules apply to you and which may not, and trying to do your best here at this process, remembering that you can be 100% vigilant all the time, but data breaches and, sec- and cybersecurity breaches happen. So, how the, so don't forget about how to watch for it, but also be prepared for remediation because an unfortunate fact of life is you're going to have to deal with remediation at some point. And, and gentlemen, yeah. oh, go ahead, Kev. I was, I was just, let me just throw this in there. And I want to just talk, go back to the balance. We need data in the retirement industry in order to do projections for individuals. It's that personalized approach that we always talk about. So Kevin, in your response, and maybe David, you follow up. Um, I know you want to talk about something else, Kevin, but can you just talk about how you how you balance that need for data with the, the protection that we're talking about here? I mean, I think that's the real challenge is balancing the, the need for data, not just the need for data, but the need to access data with protection. When you know when you think about the retirement system, you know participants are able to log in, check their four hundred one k balance. Participants are able to you know generally uh, request loans or take distributions. Um, you know, so we want folks to have access to retirement plans so that they can do these things. Um, and you know, by allowing participants in, you also potentially allow bad actors in. So you know, we could design a system that totally walls off participants and might be safer. But that's not a pension system. That's not a 401k system. So that's that's kind of the, the difficulty we face in this space. David, you want to pick up on that? Uh, actually, I agree exactly <laughs> with what Kevin said, so I don't have that much to add. Yeah, I mean, and and I, I guess listening to you gentlemen, I, I don't want to go back to when I first got into the retirement business, we did quarterly valuations. This is before daily really started to pick up. I don't want to go back to that world either so you know you need the data you got to figure it out and you have to be able to accommodate the the various um i guess legal requests that are come down the pike and 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 as you've told us they're going to change both at the federal level and the state level gentlemen we're going to leave it there great to talk to you thanks so much for joining us and we look forward to having you back on the program again next week thank you thank you so much bye-bye
Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. And recently, I sat down with Dr. Richard Becker of the University of Cincinnati School of Medicine to discuss how wearables can be used to help out with heart ailments and also using artificial intelligence. Let's give it a listen. And our top story today, how wearables and AI can treat heart disease and heart ailments. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Dr. Richard Becker is with the University of Cincinnati School of Medicine. Dr. Becker, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. It's my pleasure. Uh, we've been talking a lot on this program First of all, we're kind of bringing together multiple topics. One, we've been talking about artificial intelligence. We've also been talking about the use of wearables, and we have been talking about heart disease. You, sir, and your team have conducted a lot of research. How do these all fit together to help you uh, diagnose or treat um, heart ailments? No, our uh, our goal, as you just pointed out, is to treat people with with heart conditions. But in addition. We try very, very hard to prevent heart conditions, uh, and that's something that, of, of course, uh, we as providers and also members of our community and society are very much interested in, in doing. The technologies that, that you mentioned, uh, wearable devices, artificial intelligence, there's so many potential applications for health and well-being, as well as for, for treatment. And we, of course, want to be across that entire spectrum. Yeah, and these devices, we're talking about the Apple devices, the Polar, the Garmin. I don't want to leave anybody out there, a plethora of out, the, uh, out there, sir. They've really come a long way in terms of what they can track. I mean, I've even seen some devices even be able to do like an EKG. I'm not sure it's at, at the same level of a diagnostician like yourself, but they have really come a long way in terms of the data that they can collect. Mm -hmm. That's that's true, and I think it's important for us to acknowledge that 
really the earliest versions of digital watches, as an example, and then subsequently smartwatches, goes back to the 1980s. So these technologies uh, that are now being, being used have had decades to be improved upon, and they really, really have improved as the years and the decades have gone by. Yeah, I, I just remember from the 1980s, really dating myself, but I, I had a Swatch, so I did not have anything remotely close to a smartwatch. But uh, Dr. Becker, um, as we said, it, things have come a, a long way. Uh, how does artificial intelligence fit into the equation? We hear a lot about you know, that broad term AI, artificial intelligence. It can mean a lot of things to different people. What does it mean to you in terms of monitoring data, monitoring the heart, et cetera? Well, artificial intelligence, as you, as you mentioned, it comes in a, a variety of, of layers or levels. But as a starting point, if we talk about how to utilize information, artificial intelligence and machine-based learning is probably the first thing that people should be thinking about. And that is, how does one, a physician as an example, take all of the information that is, is out there from varying sources uh, and whittle it down or funnel it down to something that could be used in patient care. Machine-based learning and computers uh, do that. Uh, they do it for fun. Uh, they don't do it for free. But no, they don't do it for free. It's incredibly uh, powerful. And what we're looking for are, are ways to utilize that, that information, utilize it as a regular part of our assessment and that's where wearable technology, artificial intelligence have an important interface uh, with the medical community as, as well as for the lay community as well. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more in all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another edition of BRN AM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on saving. Don't forget, roll with the changes.